Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. This morning what I want to do is first I want to make a declaration about the Word of God. Okay, what do you say we do that? So take your Bible, whatever, whatever version you've got it in, whatever format it's in, and let's stand up and do this. And just uh, and that way you'll have a little blood circulating. We'll, you'll be able to get through the 30 minutes or so. But um, how many love the Word of God? Amen. Let's say, I love the Word of God. It's a lamp unto my feet. It's a guide unto my path. It's a book full of promises. It's the revelation of the Father's love for me. It's a book full of promises. And there are yes and amen to those who believe. I believe today that I am what it says I am. That I can have what it says I can have. Look at your neighbor and say, and I can do what it says I can do. (laughs) There you go. And I'll never, never, never be the same again. Thank you for your word. Anoint my mind to receive. Anoint the preacher to preach. That we would be doers of the word and not just hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as as you're seated. You know, uh, I love our time together. We, we really don't have that much time together in the scope of a week. So this, this hour and a half to two hours on Sunday morning is precious. And I know it is for you as well because you keep showing up. <laughs> I don't think anybody here, at least that I know of, you're here out of compulsion. Somebody's making you come and all of that. But the Spirit of the Lord, He puts a hunger inside us, right? And you just want to be around God's people. And you want to be around... Uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, right? It says that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom and there's liberty. Uh, there is such turmoil going on in the world today. Um, and I'm not going to get into the headlines and all of that. You all, know, you, you all know and are aware enough. And all of you have phones and that kind of thing. Uh, the, news, the news is, um, yeah, the news is uh, you know, in your pocket and in your ear all the time. But if there was ever a day for the church to shine, it's today. If there was ever a day when our culture needs light and salt and people that are living not with a fear mentality, but with a confidence mentality that I know in whom I believed, and I'm confident that he's able. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. I want to, I want to talk about uh, breakthroughs and the process of going from, from beginning to completion. Now, before I get started into this, I want to just let you know that I'm from the old school, you know, saved in the Jesus people movement, filled with the Holy Spirit very early on in my Christian walk and all of that, you know, a Pentecostal type background. And whenever um, uh, we hear of breakthroughs, at least with that kind of history and teaching, it's always the, uh, it's always with the caveat that it's some special thing that took place, whether it was a miracle service or a camp meeting or a prayer line or the evangelist came to town and had a breakthrough. And that's good. I believe in that. That is absolutely true. Um, 
I love church history. I love what they would call modern church history. The church's history over the past hundred years is it's incredible. It's just, it's just really now being written in a systematic way rather than in a testimonial way, if that makes sense to you. But uh, one of the things that, that uh, I don't know, a, a number of years ago now, a decade or so ago, Susan and I were, were at a meeting with one of the old tent revivalists. He was at a friend's of mine church, and he was preaching. And I had an opportunity to spend a few minutes with him afterwards. And in the 50s, he had a, he had a tent, and his, his uh, testimony was his tent was as large as Oral Roberts and, you know, all that kind of thing. And it was wonderful. And he, he legitimately had a wonderful healing ministry. But he mentioned something, and I, and I remember hearing him say it, but I just saw it in some of the in the most recent compilations of modern church history, is that during the 50s, there were, at almost a decade of time, there were at any time over 250 tents all around, scattered all around America with various evangelists and people, and their main uh, messages were always the same. It was salvation and healing and miracles. That's what those tent crews, you know, they would come into town and they would put the tent up and and everybody would come by the thousands. And so for almost a decade of time, there, were liter- there was literally a release of uh, people getting saved, of course, and a release of, the, of miracles and, and power manifestations taking place. It really set the groundwork for what would become the uh, charismatic renewal and the, and the worship revivals of the, of the 80s and 90s and so on. And, and a lot of what's happening in church today directly comes out of that whenever you, whenever you trace it. The thing that I want to talk about today in this regard is that I think breakthroughs are supposed to be the common experience of every believer, not relegated to just special times and events and seasons in life. And so that's the context that I want to be setting this up in. And I'm going to take you over to the book of Philippians. We're talking about breakthroughs, the process of going from beginning to completion. And so Paul's writing to the church in this, in this smaller community, Philippi, and some say that this was the Apostle Paul's favorite place, and whenever you hear his introduction and his way he's talking to them and addressing them, it's easy to understand that he loved this church. He loved the people in this church. It was a strong church. It was a powerful church. He, he had the same similar type of relationship with the church at Ephesus, although it was a completely different um, culture that he was ministering to between these two communities. And a lot of the ministry that Paul is ministering to in these places, um, and then when he's writing his letters... Uh, he was he was in the process of he was in prison he was in jail he was under not just house arrest but he was under full custody of the state of Rome and um, you know, all all you know major historians that look at this time of period will say that not only was Peter martyred during the uh, reign of Nero but Paul the apostle Paul was also martyred and they were martyred about at the same time Peter because he was a Jew he was crucified Paul because he was a um, a citizen of of Caesar and, and Rome, he was uh, beheaded. And, um, and so you read these letters, and, and you know, he doesn't get to tell the story about his martyrdom, of course. But uh, when you read his letters, he does talk about, I know I don't have much time left. He does make comments like that. He talks about you know, just life, and, the, and he said, besides all of the things that I'm going through, I have the care of the churches daily. Now, don't let that make you feel bad about yourself. You're not, uh, you, the, the, the ministry doesn't look at caring for the flock of God as, oh, it's some heavy thing. But Paul wasn't just caring for the flock of God. He was caring for the preachers, and maybe that was a little more why it was. <laughs> uh, besides that, I have the care of all the churches uh, daily. But uh, he, he starts something out here with the Philippians that I want to kind of uh, expand on a little bit today about God's process of, he, he works in our lives, yeah, from the beginning when we get saved and through to where eventually we end up in heaven. But God's processes of how he deals in your life, they follow a similar pattern. There's always a beginning, 
there's always a part of you embracing, and, and usually there's a time of you doubting and all of that kind of thing. And then there's a time where God brings into completion. And then there's the part where you have the testimonial about, look what the Lord has done. And we've talked about from the book of Revelation a number of times, it says that they overcame him, that is the enemy, the devil. They overcame him by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. You have a testimony. Every one of you have a testimony. One of the great things I've loved about being here is, is um, number one, you're, you folks are really a hospitality church. And I love that. That's biblical. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, they did the, the, the uh, feed. You took some food um, over to the, uh, what's the village called? Hope Village. And um, uh, some of the ladies came. We, we prayed for them last Sunday. Well, Friday they came, and they cooked the food out there and then uh, took the food over to Hope Village and handed it out and prayed with one of the directors and all of that. And I understand that's going to keep going on, right? Going to keep doing that? Uh, yay, I think so. Uh, job well done. Job well done. The only thing next time, just... No, I'm not going to ask for one of those meals, but we'll, uh, no. I'll send Susan in. She was there cooking, yeah. But. <laughs> the process of beginning, that was the first one. Watch what happens as it plays on out, as it plays on out, as the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what plays on out is the best way to say it, but as the Holy Spirit works and on through. But in Philippians 1.3, I'm just going to start reading. He said, I, and he's talking, now these are, these are his opening comments to this church. He's addressing the, the leaders in verse 1 to the bishops and deacons. He said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Hmm. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. They, that verse is highly loved in Texas, by the way. They, they will heavily emphasize for you all. Anyway, I'm going to move on from that. You didn't, you just kind of went right over. Always, he said, I always in every prayer of mine. Now, I don't think Paul was playing with words. I think he was really saying, every time I pray, I pray for you. Do you have something like that in your life? Every time you pray, you pray for whatever that is. Most of us do. I, I suspect all of us do. Oh, by the way, we're having prayer meeting on Wednesday night, just an hour from 7 to 8. It's not that it's low-key, but we're just coming in and praying. And uh, you're all invited. But he said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Um, how many of you know, because you've taken communion a lot of times, that communion and remembrance go together, right? We remember what we're doing. We remember that Jesus, it was his blood, his body. We know that remembrance in prayer is a powerful thing. And, and that is one of the jobs that the Holy Spirit specializes in, is that when you're praying... And he's using this word remembrance, but it's, it works in the same. When you're praying, oftentimes the Spirit of God will bring something into your mind. How many, have, how many know what I'm talking about? Whenever that happens, pray for that. Paul said that happened to him every time he prayed with his church at Philippi. Remarkable statement. I have an uncle. He's five years older than I, and it's just the way our weird family worked out. And I love Pastor Mike's message last week on, on family matters. And, and, uh, uh, but over the past couple of weeks, I've been this uncle of mine... Uh, He's a Christian, he's been a preacher and a pastor and all this stuff through all these years, and we've been close. We were more like brothers rather than uncle and nephew, but we haven't been close to contact for, um, you know, we don't, uh, he doesn't have Facebook, I don't have Facebook, you know, you get the point. But he was on my heart. I would go into prayer, and Uncle Jeff would come upon my, in my, in my prayers, and I'd pray for him, of course, and it kept happening so much, I thought, you know, I need to give him a call. So I called. He's a great elk hunter, lives in Idaho, and I called in the first two weeks of Idaho, so I didn't expect to get him. Uh, you all know, yeah, the right people know what that means, and, uh, I just say, whenever you get back in, give me a call. And he called me this week. And he said, Gary, I was so glad to get your call. Why did you call? And I said, well, you've just been on my heart. 
And he said, you haven't heard. And I said, no, I haven't heard. And he said, may, I had a stroke. And I've been in a wheelchair, and I've been in recovery, and I've been... Uh, and so he took me through that, the past, whatever that is, six months or whatever that's been. And, uh, uh, and you know, I, I just... We, we loved each other. We prayed for one another. We reconnected. We did all of that. But when we were done, I said, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... When Paul said, I thank God upon every remembrance of you, all, my, all that I'm trying to tell you is, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you pray. He will bring things to you. And so Paul is saying, because every time I pray, in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this very thing. And this is where, this is where I'm trying to get to. Being confident of this very, very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just it is right for me to think... Uh, this of you all, because I love you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in, my, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you're all partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, things that, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Jesus, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Okay, the process of going from the beginning to completion. Paul introduced something here, and he said uh, that he was confident. Uh, he, he says something very similar over, and later we'll, we'll get into another book where he's talking much the same thing. But he said that he's confident of this very thing. There's one thing that he has supreme confidence in, and that it is, and that it is this. Number one, it's in God. It's in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, my supreme confidence, that is, there is no shadow, there is no doubt, I know this very thing, it's absolutely true and sure, that he who has, a, has begun a good work in you will complete it. The thought is, the process of going from, from beginning. You need to understand where the work of God started, or how the work of God started in your life, when the work of God, who was involved. In verse 6, he's talking about this. This word begun, it simply means the earliest part of an action. There was at some point in your life there was a, where, where God originated his dealing with you as just a person. It wasn't because your mom and dad, or it wasn't because of grandma and grandpa, or it wasn't because of the church or the Sunday school teacher or the youth leader or whatever. There was some point where the Holy Spirit began to deal with you and you alone, and that is that point of where your spiritual journey begun. Well, many of you, it wasn't at that point. Uh, most of us didn't get saved right at that point. It started the journey. And the whole point I'm trying to make here is that there's a process that God works in your life. It started at the very beginning of your spiritual life where he began to draw you. Because it's not that you chose him. You all know what I'm getting ready to say, right? It's he chose you. Oh, most of us had no idea, had no time, had no room, had no interest for the things of God or the Bible or church or any of that. And just somewhere in the middle of our life being what we were trying to make it, the Spirit of God shows up and begins to draw us and deal with us. A lot of times it shows up with a person. They begin to talk to you and witness to you. I think there is that part, but I think there are things that happen even before that. A lot of times it begins with maybe sadness or depression or loss or worry or, or whatever and, and anxiety. And you're like, what is, what is going on and, and, and how am I going to make it? The Holy Spirit uses those times and seasons to begin things in your life. The process of God beginning to work in your life, however, never stops. He's doing things today in you that he wasn't doing in you last year. Matter of fact, he's doing things in you today that maybe he wasn't even doing yesterday. I know that song. Susan and I listened to the last song. I See Jesus. We listen to it a lot in our, or We See Jesus, or whatever it is. And uh, uh, we listen to it on our YouTube and all of that. But I will just tell you, this morning as it was just filling this room, I just felt the power of 
when we declare the name of Jesus over every circumstance and over every situation and over every single thing in our life, when, when we put Jesus as Lord of it. Oh, I know he's beginning some things within us. And so Paul said that I had this confidence in God, not in you, uh, the, the, not in the Philippian believers, not in people, not in himself. He said, my confidence is in this, that when God begins something, there's this thing about God that never changes. And that is, he's the strongest finisher in the universe. <laughs> Whatever he starts... He completes. The problem with most of it is, is we just don't know how to deal with his time frame. <laughs> his time and our time are two different things. And, um, but he's very patient. He's very kind. He's very loving. Uh, and he loves to start new things within your life. So what that means is, is that God's involved with you through all of the seasons of life. Many of us got saved when we were young people. And so, kind of with our culture being a, a youth-centered, almost youth-worship type culture, by the time you reach, you know, my age, it's easy to think, man, <laughs> you know, there's nothing left. Uh, you know, all the, all the great things. But no, God doesn't see that at all. Yeah. Matter of fact, the principles in the Bible is that the ending of a thing is better than the beginning of a thing. That's a whole other message, but it's, it's in there. That God is, is never... And so, I use that little illustration in offering. God's bringing the greatest and best promises in Abraham's life when it looked like... Everything was over concerning what he longed for most. That is, was his own son. Oh, never discount the greatness of God to work in every season of your life and to be beginning new things. And so Paul is talking to them about it. He says, I'm confident of this very thing, that he has begun a good work. Over in Zechariah 4.10, uh, it says this, for, he, he, for who has despised the day of small things? And I'm not going to go in and put that in the context, but it's where they were beginning to rebuild the temple, okay? You remember Nehemiah? Well, Zechariah was a contemporary, and Zechariah was the prophet, and Nehemiah was the contractor. Kind of, that's the best way to look at it. And where Nehemiah was hammering and building and overseeing and all of that, uh, Zechariah was praying and prophesying in that. And so, what Zechariah was praying uh, and prophesying was there were those that were looking at what was going on because it was a big project and it started out small. And he said, he said, uh, for who has? And what he was saying is, uh, for those that trust God, you don't despise the day of small things. Why? Because God works out. And he's not intimidated at all by smallness. <laughs> you started out very small in your mother's womb. But look at you now. <laughs> You've come a long way, right? Uh, uh, you were fearfully and wonderfully shaped and, and all of that kind of thing. God loves to start things where people look at it and at their initial way of looking at it, they discount it. <laughs> Why do you think Jesus came in a, in a barn, you know, in a manger? The son of a carpenter, not a king. For the most part of his ministry, it was women that took care of the financial needs. He died between, between two, I mean, you can go through this. And he was the savior of the world. I love that. That's, that's the heart of the father. When he was on the cross and he said, man, if there's any other way, but nevertheless, not my will, your will. Lord, whatever your will is, it was God's will to come and confound the wise with the simplicity of smallness. And so that same thing, you're going to have to wrestle with in your life. Even when it looks like God's not doing much in your life and you're wondering, where are you at, God? I can guarantee you in the supernatural realm, there's far more going on than what you ever comprehend going on and what the Lord's doing in your circumstances, in your life, and in your, in your present and in your future. And yes, even in your past, because he takes the past and he said, I separated as far as the east is from the west. I don't remember it anymore. We're going to start right here and right now. And we're going to go on and we're going to see great exploits done. And so um, 
You know, that's, a, that's a whole other part. I'm just going to leave there. But it was God who started you on your spiritual journey. How many remember, and um, uh, maybe you remember, when you first came to the point to where you recognized something was going on in the inside, in your heart, and you understood it to be God? And um, there, there are, I didn't realize it, but when we were young, we, we, we were taken to a Methodist church to their Bible, uh, to their Sunday school, what we would call Sunday school, at three, four, five years. I don't even remember that time. But God was doing something because at about seven, on TV, in the living room, I think it was on a Saturday afternoon, there was an evangelist who I had never heard named Billy Graham. Nobody else was in the living room, but it was on NBC or ABC or whatever, you know, the three channels they had back then. One of them, Billy had bought the airtime on. And he was preaching. And I'm just a little boy playing with whatever... I was playing with there in the living room, but Dr. Graham, Billy, was preaching the message and preaching the message. And I remember specifically, at one point towards the end, he talked about, you're going to die and stand before God someday. And I remember literally just coming to attention and running around and getting behind the chair (laughs) and being filled with fear. I'm going to die. It hit me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die one day. And I remember just... I remember I was scared, scared me to death. <laughs> I believe it was at that moment I reached the age of accountability. That's the whole point of the story. There was that moment God was dealing with. Now, I didn't get saved then. But I'm going to tell you, the word began to work. The word began to work. So, I'm a big guy on confession, and, and I love that. Confess the word over things. Because it's not your confession that matters. It's the power of the word that matters. And get it in there. And so, Paul's talking to them. And, and so, it was God who started you on your spiritual journey. I want to go to Isaiah 28. And a couple of verses, and I'm going to begin to kind of shift over and go into a, more of the ending here. But in Isaiah 28, he introduces, it's a reality, of course, but he also he's introducing a supernatural principle. And, um, and, and, and 28th chapter is dealing with it. I'm just going to take a couple of verses. <clears throat> and he's talking about how God deals with people how God's dealing with them as a nation. He's talking, about, he's talking about Jesus coming and being the chief cornerstone a little bit later and, and that kind of thing. But in verse 10, he's, he, he picks up this idea. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, for with stammering lips and another tongue, he'll speak to this people. Verse 12, to whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing yet they would not hear. What's he saying? What he's saying is, he saw that the children of Israel were struggling desperately under enemy occupation. They had been overwhelmed by a, by a, a stronger army. And, and so, as, as the Old Testament uh, hides the realities of the New Testament, and the New Testament reveals the truth of the Old Testament, what he's really speaking about here, he's speaking to the condition of people, is that it's really uh, uh, common for people to be overwhelmed, for people to be weary, for people to be oppressed, for people to be beaten down. And he said, and he introduced something here, this is the way out. And he, it's amazing, he actually brings in a prophetic, in, in verse 11, about tongues and about Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit and how he speaks, and he talks about rest and bringing rest to the weary and this refreshing and all of that. But before that, he starts out, this is how it works. It's going to be precept must be upon precept. And here's how it is. The Lord usually doesn't take and just bring the big revelation and deposit it upon your mind. 
What he does is he'll bring, uh, he, he works in layering things. He, he, he puts a little part here, and then he places another part by it, and then later he'll put something else on it, and that's the way he builds. He builds precept upon precept. He starts, there, and, and the whole point here is, is that there's a process where it begins, and then you have to be part of the continuation of that process for it to continue on. Okay? The Holy Spirit started dealing with you at some point in your life and eventually came to the point where somewhere, someplace, somehow, it doesn't matter if it was in church or if it was with an individual, if it was in a big meeting or a little meeting, but at some point, somebody was saying, you're going to have to make a decision for Jesus, and today's the day. How many remember that time, that day, that point, that place? And, uh, but it usually it wasn't starting there. That was the finishing part of what God had been dealing, drawing you for a long time. That process is continuing to work in your life in whatever area God's dealing with. He's working upon precept upon precept. Preacher, why is it that we listen to somebody preaching or declaring the word of God uh, every Sunday morning? And w- the wonderful thing about this church that I love, and I was here before I ever got here, is that there are multiple ways to plug in to teaching times in this church. There's one before the service. There's times during the week. There are Zoom calls. There are, there's, uh, for the church this size, it's like, man, there's a lot of opportunity to be involved. Why do you need to at least be connecting with some of that? Why? Precept upon precept. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay a brick or two. <laughs> but you're gonna need another line or two from that one over there, and from that one over there, and from what happens on that call, and what happens in this meeting, and all taking the food over to that place, and it's precept upon precept, line upon line upon line. God works it that way. So if you're just, you know, I'm going to be quick, in and out. <laughs> you know, I'm going to sit in the back row, and I'm not, I love the people in the back row. Don't get me wrong. I love you, love you, love you, love you, love you. We shorten up the back row every week. We get it as close as we can. <laughs> uh, but I'm just saying this. Um, it doesn't matter if you're in the back row or the front row. It's not position. It's what you're letting the Lord position and put in your life. You never get to where you don't need that process. You never get there. You don't become so wise, so brilliant, so filled with the word where you can quote it from chapter to chapter, cover to front, and all of that. You, can, you never get to where there isn't something more there for you to have and that somebody else can't put something else into your life that you need. As a matter of fact, God will bring them. And sometimes he doesn't ask your permission when he brings them. He just, they show up. <laughs> sometimes he doesn't ask, oh, are you going to be okay with this one? I love you so much and you're so sensitive. And No, he'll just... He'll drop that big old Pentecostal preacher right in the middle of your world and he'll mess you up and wreck you and do all this kind of thing. And I believe in the Holy Spirit's a gentleman and all of that. I really do. But sometimes he just does what he wants to do. Yeah. Yeah. Precept upon precept. Precept must. Verse 10. Precept must. Precept must. Okay. What, another point here and then I'm going to move on. Those that get the single message mentality. Yeah, my... My, my specialty is, and I'm not going to name anything because I'm not picking on, uh, yeah, there's, I love praise and worship. I love faith. I love, you know, giving, all those things. And some people say, well, this is who I am and this is my message. Okay, okay. Well, then you, you're going to need to have a big posse around you because God's not just single message. Yeah, it's Jesus, of course. But there are all these other things. Why do you think Paul said, don't forsake the assemblies of yourself together? Why? Because he loved full buildings? Uh, I, don't, I don't think that was really the point. Because there are some times that you get things, precept, there are some lines that happen that can only be drawn in your life when you're in a place with other people. And I love Zoom. We do, Susan does Zoom prayer call during the week with a bunch of people from all over the world. We do, men do Zoom things. I, I suspect there might be other Zoom things. A lot of you do Zoom things at your job and all of that kind of, and I love Zoom. Keep doing them. I'm not picking on Zoom. But there's some times when you gotta just be there and look them right in the white of the eyes. There's sometimes when iron needs to sharpen iron, when, 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 um, whether it be, you know, man, uh, you know, pouring in the oil and wine, and other times they're saying, hey, man, I, you know, knocking the rough edges off. But th- that best is carried out 
when we're together. That's why I think it was the enemy behind this whole attack of, man, shut the churches down and we'll just, you know, not do that for a while. And we're still trying to recover from that. Uh, line upon line. Rows of revelation. You need layers of truth. You know, God, want, God is preparing you right now for your next revelation. How does he do that? Well, a lot of times it's just through the experiences you're going through. A lot of times it's the people that have come into your life that might not be your favorites. <laughs> a lot of times it's just circumstances that happens to you. Whenever those things are going on, watch for the next revelation. Watch for the next line that God wants to lay. Watch for the next brick that he wants to put upon, put upon your wall. Um, Let's go back to Philippians chapter 1. Paul's confidence of completion was in this. Paul's confidence was that he said, um, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work in you will complete it. I love this word completion. It, it, it means to accomplish perfectly. What he's saying is, I've got confidence in God, what he's doing in you guys in Philippi, that what he's doing, I'm praying for you every day. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons I know God's working you is because every time I go to prayer, you come up in my remembrance. I know God's working. Every time you go to prayer and God brings something up in your remembrance, you need to take that serious. Keep praying because God's working in that. How many had somebody praying for you when you really needed it? Grandma, mom, auntie. Neighbor. There was a little lady in our church, and Mike, Teresa might remember, Carmen Kay, Carmen and Bobby Kay. They, she's a little Latino lady and always in the front row and praying. Well, I had a son, my oldest son, and he was at a time, and I know none of you have ever had a son do this, but there was a time when he just thought he knew better than God and me and all of those things. Oh, I know you were never like that. Uh, but there came a point when he found not just the God of his daddy, but he found the God for himself. So we were rejoicing and all of those kind of things. And then the Lord showed me something. Because it reached a point in my life where I thought, at 3 o'clock in the morning, the state patrol is going to show up. And they're going to ask me to come and identify a body. That's where it was at. But God had a beginning, was working, when I didn't see it, but he loved him more than I did. Anyway, through all of that, this little lady, Carmen Kay, I'll be forever in her debt, she said, Pastor Gary, Holy Spirit brings your son, Jason, into my room every morning at 4.30 or whatever time her prayer was. She told me that once, and I thought, well, that's good, Carmen. Thank you very much. But for a while, every time I saw her, she said, Pastor Gary, and then I, I'm killing the, the accent. I'm just, you know, uh, but God put him on her heart. And it was her prayers, at least in conjunction with mine and ours and all the rest, somewhere in there, her prayers were a part of this. I'm confident of that. I'm confident of this, that whatever the Lord started in you, I'm not confident in you or me at all. Flesh is flesh, no matter whose bones it's on, right? It's not the confidence in, my, in ourselves, but it's the confidence that what God started, if God started in you, he's going to finish it. Well, what's my part? To say yes, 
Well, even, even sometimes you're not even having enough faith to say yes, but you're just showing up. You're just present. You're just being there. But you're just doing whatever you can to be part of the process. Just be part of the process. He's still laying bricks and drawing lines and establishing things. But in the end, it's God. He said, my confidence is in this, that what God began in you, that he will complete it. And he's going to complete it. In the perfect time of Jesus Christ, in, 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 until the day of Jesus Christ, so that is the completion of all things. Because God looks at your life over the whole span of your life. We can get compartmentalized real easy, like this is the biggest thing in my life right here. And God said, this is just another step in the process. Because where you're here, he said, I'm going to get you over here. And you have no idea what it's going to be like when you get over here. I'm going to end with this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Is Paul again. Now he's writing to his, his son in the Lord, Timothy. And in verses 12, he's talking. And the same thing comes up. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Paul's talking about himself as imprisonment. He said, nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Those two words, confidence and persuaded, they're the same base word. If you want to do the word study and go through that. I am persuaded that he, that is God, is able to keep that which I've committed to him until that day. Paul was a big deal on things getting finished and completing. A big deal in that God was able to do even the miraculous, that what he starts, he will get it done. And who knows what the end of, of, of the ministry here in this church, you don't know, I don't know, but I know we're all part of the process. But it's the Lord's church, and he's building, and he's doing. Who knows what the Lord is doing in your life? Well, I know who, number one, he does. But you just need to be uh, coming to this point, and you're part in the process, and this is where I'm going to end. He said, I am confident of this. I am persuaded of this. I have no doubt about this, that God is able to keep what I've committed to him. Mm-hmm. I remember in the Pentecostal days, they would say, leave it on the altar, and then you would hear the messages about, you know, we come in and we take it back off the altar again. Well, what Paul's talking about is once you commit it, it, it means it means literally it means trust. It, it literally in, in the active in the verb form, this word, it means to make a deposit. That's what it means. So you take your check, you take your valuables, you take your money, and you go to some place that you know is going to it's going to be safe, right? And you deposit it. At least in America, once you put it in the bank, you might worry about how many bills you have, where it's going to, you know, how it needs to be spent and all that. But I can pretty much tell you, nobody worries that it's not going to be there when you need it. If you deposit it in Riverside or whatever, whatever bank you use. Why? Because we have confidence in the system. This thing about what Paul's talking about is he said, I have confidence in God that what I commit to him, that he is able to keep it. And that doesn't mean just hang on to it, but he's able to take it and do what best needs to be done with it. Do you have anything today that you need him to keep because you don't know how to keep it? That you don't have the wisdom enough to know how to handle it, to how to take care of it, to how to minister to it, to how to speak to it, to how to pray for it, to how to fix it. But uh, your job isn't even to get involved in fixing and taking care and, and, and all of that. Your job many times is just say, God, here it is. I commit it to you. I cast my cares upon you. Why? Because you care for me. And I thought the Holy Spirit wanted, us, wanted me to bring us to a point, and I'm going to ask you to stand, to where we take a few moments and we just have the opportunity to commit some things to him, knowing that he is able, that his ability, that his, his involvement in my life, and what I've seen him do in the past, what I'm seeing him doing now, what my confidence is, what he'll do in the future, that if whatever I take and I commit to him, that he's able to do the best that needs to be done with it. And this isn't a light thing or an easy thing. 
those things that you commit. Just take a moment. Just begin to make the deposit. My wife does all of that, so I'm not involved in that very much, but it's all done electronically now, but I see her and she punches in the numbers and takes the picture and sends it and all of that and there's that process. That's what you need to be doing right now. Here it is, God. I've wrestled with it. I've worried over it. I've struggled with it. I've hollered at it. I've done everything I know to do. I fasted. I prayed. But God, now I just, I just commit it to you. I'm taking this of my life and I'm making the deposit into your hands. And my confidence is this. I'm persuaded in this that you're able to take care of it. I'm persuaded in this that you have enough to deal with the impossibility of my circumstance right now. You're able to handle what I cannot handle. And it might be a person, it might be a thing, it might be a hell. I'm not going to try to fill in your blanks for you. You already have that filled in. Right? What I'm asking you to do now is say, God, I commit this to you. Mm. The thing about making a deposit is that you're not running down every day, taking it out and filling out a new deposit slip and redepositing it. No, you already put it in and you leave it there until you need it. Holy Spirit. We surrender these things to you and we're going to trust you and leave it in your hands. We'll be involved. We'll say the yes. We'll do what we need to do. We'll show up. We'll let you put the line upon line, precept upon precept, all of that. But God, we trust you. I know that you are more than able able and capable of handling it in Jesus' name. Somebody's dealing with something physical right now. You're, you're just not feeling well. You've, you've done everything you know to do with that, with that problem and you've taken what they told you to take and it's still like oh it's still there and I'm Lord what's going to happen commit it to him yeah be a good steward of your body but say God you made this body and I commit it to you some relationships just need to be committed today Lord in these struggles in this relationship in this uh, whatever whatever avenue that is for you Lord I commit that person and myself to you in this Lord help us within this in Jesus name finances and jobs and businesses and careers and futures and what's going to happen and, and, and the state of the world and all of these things. Lord, we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, God. Take the hand of the one standing next to you and we're just going to pray a prayer. And I want you to pray for that one that you're standing next to. Many of you have someone on both sides of you now and that's wonderful. But I want you to do something for them that you're only capable of, that you're the only one. I want you to pray for them in that commitment that they've made. You agree with them. Lord, I pray right now that every person here, we've, uh, most of us probably have, have brought something. It's just the beginning step today, Lord. We're, we're going to continue this work throughout today and, and hopefully this week, Lord, this process of committing and, and trusting you, this breakthrough process. Once we committed to you, we can trust you with it, God. But now I pray for these people as they're praying for one another. Lord, we just strengthen each other with our prayers. Like Paul said, you brought Philippi into his remembrance every time he prayed. Lord, we're praying for one another because we're in the same room, in the same row, across the same mile. And Lord, we're praying right now. We're lifting them up. And Lord, we're saying, do a miracle within their life. Just pray that right now for the one on your right and left. Say, Lord, do a miracle in their life. Lord, bring a miracle into that thing that they've committed to you right now, Lord. Lord, I know it's bigger than they are, but it's not bigger than you are, God. You do what they can't do because our confidence, our trust, and our hope is in you, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a clap of praise. Thank him for his goodness, his wonder, his wonderful mercy to us. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.